I think there's two. There's two. So I think you've hit it kind of in the middle there. Okay. So so execution is one thing, but the skill level of what we're what we attract in the business. For instance, um, I had a I had a dealer. I'll just tell you a little bit of a story. I had a sure. dealer who had an issue with keeping lot people employed at their store. <laughs> lot people, fifteen dollar an hour job. Yeah. He would he would uh, he would have issues with them not showing up to work, not coming to work on time, um, you know, leaving early, disappearing throughout the day. And I made the suggestion to him: Why not make that a little bit higher paying job and attract the type of people that you want who can earn a living and still execute for you? Because sure. the, the amount of money that you're losing on paying a fifteen dollar an hour guy who's not showing up and not being productive. How much money are you really saving? Hello and welcome to another edition of the After Hours with Jay podcast, your late night source for cold beverages and hot talks. Tonight, Jason is chatting with Big Mike of Queensway Honda. They'll be jamming about the process and the impact it has on your team. Grab your month end ale and get ready for your late night host, Jason Harris. Sales, marketing, automotive. Jason Harris has done it all. This is the After Hours with Jason podcast. After Hours with Jason podcast is sponsored by DDS Beer Club. Beer specifically crafted for hardworking sales professionals. Find out more at ddsbeerclub.ca. Hey, Big Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to come meet with me tonight. I really appreciate it. I'm super excited about deep diving into dealers' processes and best practices. And, you know, this this is a place that we both, like, we, we live in this space. So I'm super excited to get into this. Um, for everybody out there that don't know who Big Mike is and how you kind of got started in the automotive industry, can you give us kind of that two-minute that two minute origin story that is yeah. Big Mike? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, started my career in the sales floor. I was uh, one of the top salespeople for VW in Canada when I first started, my second year in the business. Nice. Uh, it was uh, a fun time. Uh, selling cars was uh, was a passion of mine. I loved the product. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided one day that I would uh, could do the job better than my manager could. Okay. And I moved up in, in the world. Um, I decided to become a parts manager cool. at an Audi store. So that's where my analytical background came from, analyzing parts inventory, looking at you know, operations and working closely with service department. Uh, was a business development manager for a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, implementing, you know, dealership uh, uh, website uh, upgrades and, and um, lead management, things like that. Then got into the used car realm because found out that my analytical skills as well as my lead management skills and my processes uh, led me to become a used car manager. Um, decided to do that role for several years, uh, then moved into a GSM position, uh, general manager uh, after that, and uh, decided that uh, I wanted to work closely with a manufacturer improving operations. Because I've seen, uh, much like you see, mm-hmm. um, on a day-to-day, the difficulties dealers face in in just understanding how their businesses run. Sure. There's a lot of working parts in, in, in the car dealership. Um, so I was approached by Honda Canada to uh, to assist them with used vehicle operations in some, some of the top stores in Canada. Uh, and uh, uh, that's, that's where I am today, uh, working with some of the top Honda stores in the country. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a very rewarding to see uh, dealerships 
with the aha moment. I call it that aha moment. Oh no, no, it's got to be cool. I mean, I, I I geek out over analytics. Like mm-hmm. I, I I just can't stand someone saying the words I feel or yeah. I think. I think you yeah. know something. I, it just that drives me nuts because yeah. I I've never operated that way. Right. It's like I I need to know. Yes. why my business is running this way why you know my service department is has as these unpaid hour issues why my parts yeah. department has an obsolescence yeah. you know i just exactly. don't I, I don't ever want to use that I it's the way we've or, always done like, it yeah that's like, the it's phrase like, that gets me every single time i, I know and that, that, that and that drives me nuts you know yeah. it might have worked 20 years ago guys <laughs> well the cool thing is that when you really understand those numbers and deep dive into those analytics yeah. then you can let those analytics to start to give your process development portion that's right? right yeah so you know and i know that's what a lot of tonight's is going to be is about dealerships process which i'm super excited to get into you know um because i just think it's a space that we don't talk enough about and you know what it is right now especially going into the season that we're going into right now is that you know look uh, we're, we're, we're in a plateau season of sales that's right you New know car sales is i've said that on many different podcasts mm-hmm. and it's like tough guys if you there's like jason you're just repeating yourself i don't really care it's just but it's true we are yeah. you know this typically happens we have about four years or three to five years of prosperity yes. double digit gains and then just like normal and there's nothing wrong with it is we plateau Yes. And and I, I think what we're going to see is the next couple of years is, is a couple of years of just plateau. You know, yes. if you have manufacturers, including Honda, right. that are looking at very minuscule gains or flat numbers, mm. and in some manufacturers' cases, even even reductions, even some reductions. Yeah. We might see some corrections in some of the manufacturers that have had those big gains over the last few years. Um, Honda is is anticipating smaller gains over the next few years. Yeah, and, and I think uh, that's totally normal. Like that's and that's it's, you know, and that's the perfect uh, that that's leading us into why I exist in the Honda realm. It's perfect timing to dive into your process. If I look at stores that that have a a weak used car operation, and let's face it, the used car operation in today's marketplace is is like the redheaded stepchild. It's something that is is. not... I don't understand why is that. I don't understand either. Because it feeds so many departments. Exactly. You know, it's it's attached to every department in the store. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It affects every department in the store. Uh, used car departments, the difference between being profitable in your service department's internals and parts internals, uh, you know, appraising cars. Where are we appraising cars for wholesalers to buy them? Um, and that's a, that's a funny thing that we we look at in today's marketplace. You take a look at Odessa. Mm-hmm. Odessa selling cars at 98 to 100% of market value. I know. It's insane. Yeah. I, I just, I recently went with a client of mine to the auction. Mm-hmm. And just because we were hanging out, we had lunch. And then it was Wednesday. So the auction was running. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll tag with you. I haven't been for a few years, right? Yeah. You know what's funny? I went there. I couldn't recognize a single one of the players. Right. It's like the whole, everything's changed. A lot of U.S. Um, buyers. The, uh, the amount money. of people I was blown mm-hmm. away by. Yeah. And like I was putting numbers on cars just in my head as they're going through the lane. And then watching it, I'm like. Where's the profit? Oh, I must watch five. It was actually some civics. I yeah. Went, I went retail. Mm-hmm. Damn near retail. Yeah. I mean, I would just like. I still got to recondition this damn thing. You right. know, just. But also recondition it to Honda standards. Well, yeah, exactly. To, to, to manufacturers, it's, it's, to manufacturer standards. So well, it's yeah. funny. We, we we always talk to cust- to dealers about the Honda 
Canada or manufacturer standards. What we don't realize is Honda Canada invests a lot of time and a lot of effort into finding out what the customer standards are. Sure. So Honda Canada standards aren't our standards. No, it's, it's our just what the customer, customer expectations standards. are. So the manufacturer is is trying to convey to the dealers what the manufacturer is receiving from the clientele. Sure, of course. So, you know, as we have advocates in the marketplace, dealers um, who try to skirt around the responsibilities of what their customers are actually looking for mm-hmm. um, in regards to, you know, trade appraisals, reconditioning standards to, to resale, um, I find that dealers have a big problem with acquisition in today's marketplace. Acquisition is their biggest struggle. Acquisition is, I believe, one of their biggest struggles. Yeah. And not only that, but also because they don't also utilize the tools that are at their disposal very well tools, as well. Tools, process. Like, acquisition is a process. But it, goes, it also goes down to the used car manager. All like right. I think what a used car manager is today is vastly different than what it was five to ten years ago. It's funny you say that because I don't think there is a used car manager in, manager in today's marketplace. I believe it's more of a use. It's almost more of a facilitator. Than yes, anything. I mean, correct. I remember you know hiring used car managers was based on the thickness of the Rolodex. Yes, do you know right. what I mean? Exactly. It, it was. It was. It, yeah. You were paid directly as used car manager yeah. based on the amount of money your wholesalers would be willing to give you for some of this That's stuff. That's correct, so because like, that was the acquisition strategy That was the day. acquisition strategy. Right. Now, now with technology, that's yes. not the case. I mean, I find that used car managers are becoming more and more marketing people than they are anything because yes. of, um, you know, gross profits being so slim mm-hmm. that you need to have a very substantial differentiating factor in these vehicles yeah. or in the way that you market these vehicles, otherwise you're Pictures, screwed. description, and it's now, funny I enough. I still can't believe it's 2019 we're talking about that shit. We're talking about descriptions. Uh, we're yeah, talking fuck. about descriptions in it's 2019. 2019. Yeah. I am absolutely fabricated. When I go into a dealer and tell a, a used car marketer, because that's what I'm going to call them today. They're, that's actually a, a used, really fair way to put it. I agree with you. A that's used exactly car what they marketer. I, w- I want to see the dealership blow up that position in, into one to three people. Smaller yeah. stores, one person, but not having that traditional, you know, armchair appraisal guy, someone who knows how to use technology and gauge the market for its effectiveness. Yeah. Because the market does dictate price today. The dealership has no control over over market value. Uh, something is only worth what a customer is willing to pay for it, and that's what the market dictates. Um, and someone has the ability to really tell a story, all right, and understand how these stories need yeah. to be told. Um, there's a gentleman out there that I'm going to give a shout out to because I think he literally fits the bill of what I think a used car manager is today. Yeah. And uh, his name's Skinny. Well, he goes by Skinny. Skinny. Everybody calls okay. him Skinny over at Coburg Nissan. Okay. If you guys get a chance to check out Skinny. Skinny, yeah. I know you're going to comment on this one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Skinny on... Shout out to Nick Pilalis too. Oh, you got another one too? Okay, well, so Nick Pilalis is the general is. manager of Coburg Nissan. Oh, yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. yeah, look, there's a lot of... there's the, Skinny came from... Uh, an, Hyundai store? I believe so. Is that yeah, 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 that's right. So, see, look at this. See, look at this. This industry is it's so small. It's so small, but really yeah. not. Right. You know, it's like it's large, but not really. And yeah, it's yeah. just like we all know each other. But you know, look, if you look up skinny. Skinny is not what a typical used car manager looks like. He's yeah. not suit and tie kind of a guy. Yep. He's a shirts and sweater, shirts and you know, a shirt and jean kind of kind of guy. You know, and but what he's really good at is just really merchandising the crap out of his inventory. Yes. He understands that. Right. He also understands how to price it because he utilizes all the technology at his disposal. Um, but he's phenomenal at telling the story and how to how to tell the story and where to tell that story. So right. you know he goes out and puts a 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, 12 minute video in some cases about the car that just came in, right? And really and he's doing that himself. That himself, every single car that comes yeah, in the door, interesting. right? Wow. And so, so he really takes this active role, but then all of that, when he, he executes on that creative as well, and then engages with customers on all social media platforms where he's putting out these stories. And that's what he, that's what he calls them. He calls them stories. He doesn't call them cars. Mm -hmm. You know, he calls them stories. And I think that's actually the appropriate term to use, right? right? Because this is still the one you know, differentiating factor with used is that it's used. And I don't care if there's 277 used Civics out there. Each one of them got a different story. That's right. No two used cars are the same. They're not. And that's why I love this this part of the business. It's yeah. I can I can tell I can sell you an Aegean Blue Civic Civic Touring, you know, just like the next guy at no mm -hmm. no profit. But when I have one that's got, you know, 57,000 kilometers and everyone else has got one for 85,000 K. I got a I got a competitive edge, but yeah. if I don't tell that story on that particular vehicle, you know, take a look at Auto Trader. Auto Trader owns the the marketplace right now. You know, a um, couple of competition, but I really don't think competition from Auto Trader is competition. It's kind of outliers, people who are are annoyed with Auto Trader. Yep. But when we go into stores and we talk about the 150 characters, people look at me with the side look on the face, going, "What are you talking about? <laughs> what's what's the 150 characters?" Do you know what an SRP is? Let's start with that. You know, let's let's go to basics. What's what's the search results page? How do you market on that particular realm? But see, the problem is is, is the reason that we have this epidemic issue is is a lack of process. Right. That's really exactly. what it comes down to. Yeah. Is that we, and I'm saying we, the owners. Okay, because I, I am guys. I'm calling you out a little bit. Is that we've not actually sat down and defined. All right, the processes for our used car department mm -hmm. and, and therefore let those processes dictate the individual that's going to execute them. Right. And once you really define out those processes, you might find that the person that you have on board may not be the one that's going to execute on it. And I know that's going to, there's going to be some pain issues there. So there's going to be a lot of pain issues. issues there. Yeah. But look, the, it, it doesn't really matter what you think. Mm -hmm. Bottom line is the industry's changed. The consumer's changed. We're looking for more. I always ask dealers this one question, which is which I think is kind of amusing. Um, if I if you were to lend me five million dollars of your money, and I told you I didn't have a high school diploma or uh, I didn't have experience in, in in today's marketplace, would you lend me five million dollars? Five million's on the small side in some cases. In too. some cases, <laughs> right? Like, that's just a that's yeah. a very small used car inventory level. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's it's not that large at all. Um, but they, they always give me the same answer. Well, no. Then why do you have someone uneducated running your used car department? Because we still have this old process. Mm -hmm. We still think it has to do with wholesale. We still think it has to do with That's Rolex. Right. We still think it has to do with who you know. Yeah. But in reality, a used car manager, and same for new car manager and, you, and parts manager and service manager, it's not necessarily what you know. It's how well you can execute what you know. Yes. Because we can teach you. Right, we can teach you what in the activities that are required, right, to meet those processes, and we can develop you so that you're better, you do better at those activities, yeah. and those activities get better. And we can coach you one on one, so so that personally you are able to evolve those processes to you know to your personality and yourself. Yeah. At, but we just don't ever like, we, we just don't go that far. We just, we, it's, we, it's just we're not hiring people based on their execution. We're just hiring based on what the resume says. Well, and so, so that that's that's a good point because I find dealers will hire on resume for low skill, low pay. So yeah. the, the pay grades that they want to pay these people, um, you know, it, we're talking about multi million dollar businesses here, and we're talking about 
talent pools that are ever shrinking in our industry. And we don't want to step up and pay the people who are worth the money. Uh, we would rather allow someone with the inexperience to run a department and then cry poor at the end of the year. You know? Yeah, so I wonder... I'm trying to think, really, at the end of the day, why? Why does this ultimately end up happening? And I think what misinformation I up, is it misinformation or is it a lack of goal setting? I mean, or or you know, is it they've set the goal, but then they just don't develop out the processes necessary to actually help meet that goal, or is it? I'm just trying to think: is it is an is an education or is it an execution thing? I think I think there's two there's two so I think you've hit it kind of in the middle there. Okay. So so execution is one thing, but the skill level of what we're what we attract in the business. For instance, um, I had a I had a dealer, I'll just tell you a little bit of a story. I had a sure. dealer who had an issue with keeping lot people employed at their store. <laughs> lot people, fifteen dollar an hour job. Yeah. He would he would uh, he would have issues with them not showing up to work, not coming to work on time, um, you know, leaving early, disappearing throughout the day. And I made the suggestion to him: Why not make that a little bit higher paying job and attract the type of people that you want who can earn a living and still execute for you? Because sure. the, the amount of money that you're losing on paying a fifteen dollar an hour guy who's not showing up and not being productive, how much money are you really saving? Mm-hmm. So what did he end up doing? He ended up putting an $18 an hour guy on the lot. He's been there for 16 months, 15, 16 months now, almost you know, a year and a half. And he's hired two additional guys at that inflated rate mm-hmm. when they usually pay $15 an hour. He's paying them 18 and he has a, a solid team now. Well, I, I agree. I agree to some level. I think you, you do and it's at a certain point. Get what you pay for, right? Exactly. Right? Um, and on, yeah. but on the flip side of it, I have seen people get overpaid. Well, that's, um, that's the lazy know, that's, factor. That's, 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 that's and again, that's so, the two sides it's, of the it's, equation. It's, 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 if I think that there is, we develop the process. Yes. We pay on someone's ability to execute that process, and that's all right. And then we—that's yeah. where that fine space is, right? You know, it's just like the better you execute, the more money you make. See, I think what it is is that we almost develop out our pay structures before we even develop out what process we actually have. And that's so, yeah. And so, that, you're absolutely right. It's like what came first, you know, the chicken yeah. or the egg, right? Yeah. It's just like in this case, it's just you know, we are putting a pay structure, and we're trying to let that pay structure define what the processes are. It's like. It's like the quick fix is let's just replace the pay structure. Exactly. It's, it's not actually, well, let's deep dive yeah. into our processes and actually see what's broken here, right? Well, it's funny you say that because when I'm working with dealers, the first thing I ask when I'm analyzing financial statements and, and looking for their areas is what's your pay plans? Mm-hmm. We're asking, we're trying to execute a, a plan that you've enacted. You've come up with a, an action plan. You've said, this is my goals. Mm-hmm. Because this is what I do on a daily basis. I ask dealers to come up with action plans and, and measurable goals. And then I sit down and I speak with the used car manager. And he goes, Mike, you know what? I'm not really paid like that. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry? <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what just happened there? So your owner has a goal. An ec- he wants to execute a, an action plan. But you're not willing or committed to that action plan because that will harm your pay. Pretty much. That's what we see on a daily basis. I see that all the time. And it, it's funny because, you know, changing the pay 
is always the go-to. Like, sure. let's 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 penalize them. Let's take away money from them, but we don't actually reward them for the actions because we want to we're see. We're expecting that the the uh, pay structure will dictate the process when it needs to be the no, other way it, around. It, the that's process exactly right. needs to dictate the pay structure. Yes. All right, that's how you get a win-win. Yeah. You know, but so let's talk about process development because I'm a huge fan of process development, yeah. right? Uh, and the reason that I I was kind of forced to be a huge fan, okay? When I had my Mitsubishi dealership, all right, uh, for me to make money, it was just to make money, all right, I had to close 45 plus percent of the time. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't if, ends, buts about it. I just had to. You had to. I was only going to get 100, 120 people walk through my dealership on a monthly basis. Okay. That is what it was. You know, and look, it was a Mitsubishi dealership. It was a used car lot with a flag out front. Right? That's it. That's it. That's it. Right? This is, this is what I was There's getting. There's only I mean, a finite I spend, amount of Mitsubishi I, customers. I could, I, you know, and no matter of money, you know, in marketing, sure, some of my marketing efforts could help me increase some of that floor traffic, yeah. but not in enough of a substantial way that yes. was ever going to offset me having a shitty closing ratio. Right. All right? So I understood right out of the gate. I had to close at 45%. No offense, but it's about it. Right? So I let that goal define what every single process was going to be. Mm-hmm. Now, not only was my goal to do that, but then I also wanted wanted to create a brand. I also wanted to create an experience out of it as exactly. well, right? So, you know, I wanted to be known as an innovative dealership, you know, a very customer-centric, tech-savvy, you know, tech savvy, innovative dealership. That's what I wanted to be known was. That mm-hmm. was my brand, okay? Right. And I also thought I was in line with what the manufacturer was a little bit as well, right? So once I had those three kind of goals in place, I let those things literally dictate which every single process I was going to do. All right. It was like I had to close at forty five percent. I had to I, I had to be customer centric. All right. And I had to be innovative and tech savvy. You know, that was just that's what it was. Just so I mean all the way down to the way we answer the phone, to the way we presented a car, to the way I presented payments, to the way we did test drive. I literally would ask myself, is all right, now I'm gonna go develop out my test drive process. All right. How do I make my test drive process um, meet my 45% closing ratio goal? Mm-hmm. How do I help it meet my uh, customer-centric goal? How, do I, how is that going to meet my you know, innovative tech-savvy goal? And every single process was completely dictated by those three pillars. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I didn't have an option. There wasn't right. an option. Like, if I was going to make money in this place, yes. there wasn't an option. So I had to do it, right? Yeah, you figured, out, vastly, you figured out the metrics. Yeah, so, so that, I mean, that changed things. I mean, it right. pushed things. And pushed yeah. things to the point where maybe even felt us a little uncomfortable. That pay, and changed pay structures drastically. Yes. You know, I was a salary. I, my, all my salespeople were on salary, and they were making a volume bonus. And that's that's where I see the, the industry going, and it's, mm-hmm. it's no one's really pulling the trigger. But... What do we ask our salespeople to complete as a task for that salary? What we tend to see exactly. Done, see if you don't define what those processes it, are, it's n- it's not. Don't, a pay, don't change the pay structure and oh, then yeah. say I have lazy salespeople. You know, what do you think about BDC departments today? Oh, I I've, I pretty much grew up in BDC, so I mean I, I have a huge passion for BDC. So you have a huge passion for BDC, but BDCs were developed out of the laziness of salespeople. Well, yeah, well because they actually don't understand. And. Uh, I've seen so many people out there with the term BDC, but they're right. not actually. They're not BDC. actual full-fledged. What BDCs. it is is they're internet departments. Correct. All right. Yes. It's you guys understand a BDC is mm-hmm. literally in the freaking name of what it is. Right. Business development, meaning that that <laughs> department is supposed to develop you new business. Correct. If it is literally yes. handling incoming traffic, yes. Literally, a proper BDC should only take maybe ten to twenty percent incoming. 
and it should be it should be it should be eighty to ninety percent outgoing. Yes, because that is developing business. Right. So we have a huge misunderstanding what BDC is. In well, the first we place. look at a BDC department and we mischaracterize that BDC department by looking at the shortcomings of salespeople. It's rather than investing in training on salespeople, we we have dealers create BDCs, and the BDC isn't what is traditionally as as a Former BDC manager, mm-hmm. my job was not to. Uh, my job was to generate leads and monitor them, not develop to business, develop business, not to answer leads and to gain um, appointments and exactly. to track appointments and to do my sales guys follow up. My job was to develop my salespeople so that they had those skills to do that job. And, and I think what it is is, and I find a lot of cases where I walk into a dealership and find out that they don't really have a BDC. They have an internet department. Yeah. Um, or a call center. Or a call center. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. What it's is just it's incoming. Yeah. You know, well, this is my service BDC. 70% of what they do is incoming service calls. They book service appointments. They're not. You know your website can do that? <laughs> yeah. They're not, a, they're not developing your new business. Correct. They're simply handling what's already coming yeah. in. Your yeah. advisors couldn't handle it. Therefore, now they're handling it. Yeah. Um, but it's a lack of goals. It, it's a lack of goals. It comes all the way down to the fact that we're not letting our goals define what our processes are. Yes. It's just it's, yeah. it's that. I mean, I don't know I think where else the disconnect is. Yeah. It's... it's, it's, it's it, I'm amazed at how many stores I walk into who don't have a used car target for the year. It's just, we'll sell them as they come. Well, I'm and amazed when I talk to salespeople how many don't have a target for the month. Uh, as a, Maybe you and I are, were, were, were cut from a different cloth, but that's how I gauged my my ability to do my job. I'm like, how the hell do you not know how much money you're going to make this <laughs> right? month? Like, really? Like, you know? you just like, how much? You don't even know. Like, I need I, to I don't pay my it. mortgage. I, I need to pay my car bill. It, it, I need to pay my insurance. I have to sell 14 cars to cover those expenses. Everything above that is gravy. That's crazy, right? That, that, that's 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 you know. It's like you gotta have. You gotta have. Yeah. You need to know, right? right. It's like it's, it, it, it can't be enough for salespeople just to get by. And that's the other problem is a lot of yeah. them just want to get by. Right. But I don't see dealerships coaching them, all right, and developing them out to the sense of. Fine, you need 14 cars to get by, but that's not, if that's what your goal is, you're mm-hmm. not working for me. That's right. Your goal is 25 cars. Yes. Because I don't want you to get by. Yeah. I want you to strive. I need you to, I need you to succeed. Your success is my success. 100%. It's the way, it's the way it should be done. But I don't see that, you know, we, we tend to doesn't see. Doesn't show in our pay structure? No, it doesn't show in our pay structure, but it also, it's also, there's some resentment. You have a highly skilled and a highly, um, successful salesperson, he's making more than that manager is. And I want that. That's I the do way too. I, that's like, the way. Honestly, I, I want him to show me that pay stuff I was going, a floor I made 10 manager. grand this, this week. I was a floor manager. I had I had people that worked for me that were making more money than me. And and, and you know what? You Good gotta for them be because their efforts were my efforts. That's you right. Know? That's it's right. like people, and also, I didn't work those hours he did. I wasn't there. I, I took my days off. I was that's in management. Right. I took my days off. That's right. You know? yeah. I clocked out when I clocked out. You know, I didn't stay to wait for that next customer to come yep. in the door. You know, so yep. there's there's a there's a big difference there. You know, yeah. um, but but yeah, I mean, I think. But so, so let's talk about like now we're talking about what are best practices? How do people get started? Is it is that? Um, here's a thought. Here's something that's been kind of rolling in my head for a little bit, and I wonder what you think about this too. It, is it one of the reasons that we can't seem to really grasp 
goal development within the dealership and then how to develop processes is because there's not actually a team effort among all the departments. Is that, is that, I, I get a feeling that that's a fundamental issue, but I don't know. What do you think? I think that everyone is siloed in their own um, department. Yeah. And, and see, I'm a fan. If, if I were a business owner and I were the owner of a store and mm-hmm. I had department heads that were a, each pillar of my store, I don't look at them as individual pillars. I look at them as holding up a roof. Yeah. That roof can only exist without my structure in place. Yes. So therefore, why wouldn't I reward my structure with the fruits of the roof? So yeah. rather than saying you you get paid off of the, depro- the the profitability of your department, why not pay them off the profitability of the dealership? Because we need them to work as a team. I mean, I've been in right. a lot of meetings. You've been in a lot of meetings. I've been. I've headed okay. up a lot of meetings. Right. And I, 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 I am you not know, a fan you know, of them. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. It's like you'll be at that boardroom table, and you yeah. got the parts manager on one side, service manager on the other side. You got the, you know, you got the new car, used car managers, and you know what? If, if we probably weren't there, they'd be in some cases fucking fist fighting with That's each right. other. You know, there's just such. But I also find. And because I've known owners like this that almost do they this foster purposely, it. they foster it. They they, do. Act, they actually breed it. They they, 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 love they the believe conflict. they believe that this conflict yes. and, uh, drives a sense of, of competitiveness. Mm. And and really, what it, it's not. Like, no. It's a horrible. It, it's a horrible way to run your business. It's a horrible work environment to be involved in as well. Well, so it's, then we go back to why we have such high turnover. Right. I mean, come on. What do you so so are, are you seeing the same sort of seventy percent uh, turnover that we're seeing? Yeah, I mean, look, there's some dealerships out there. I know, right? I know that we're bashing a little bit right now, mm. and but but I'm, what we're saying is we're saying probably the majority. There are some dealerships out there that are doing phenomenal things. Right. I have some right. clients that are really crushing it yep. in developing up teams, and training, and coaching, you know, and really understanding that there's not a magic diet pill to their operational issues. Right. That it's just good old fashioned goal development and process and, and process process development so but it's it's becoming harder and harder i find i find that so so just to digest what you asked Mm -hmm. i i think the self-reflection is something that dealers have a hard time doing what i mean what i mean by that is owners have a hard time looking in to their operation and not seeing it for what it truly is. They're there in a daily, day-to-day basis. Yep. Um, you know, for instance, if we were sucked into the dealership life again, and we were sitting there as a pre-owned manager, new car manager, a general manager, we get caught up in that negativity of that of that uh, environment or positivity, depending on the type of store that you're at. Yeah, sure. It's um, fair enough. For, it's easy for us to say this stuff because we're not in the thick of it, it right now. Right. So, no, I get right. It. I you, get it. You, but I think that's the biggest issue. Is you know. Uh, sweeping the problems under the rug or coming up with a, a solution that uh, uh, rather than train our, our people to do a better job, we tend to create processes or create departments, whole departments to, to eliminate that problem, mm-hmm. which we haven't really eliminated that problem. We just added more expenses to our bottom line. Or, oh, I know what you're talking about, and I've seen this happen a lot too. So, is that is that there's an issue happening instead mm-hmm. of addressing the core process, correct? Rather than going right. for the root cause, we actually just generate a new process yes. that's going to take care of that problem, correct? Right. Rather so, than looking at the root cause of an issue and, and, I find and that, identifying it, I find that unfortunately there's a lot of vendors out there that push that. So well, that's how vendors make their money. Bring, they bring these products in, yes, and and five and, six hundred dollars at a time, exa- right? Yeah, exactly, five six hundred dollars yeah. at a time. Yeah, and uh, your quick diet pill. Are we in the wrong month. business? <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. That's right. 
The other problem is we couldn't do it. We give too much of a shit. Like we well, care no, too much. We care too we much. Can't, we can't do right. It. We can't. You know? I can't look you in the face and take five hundred dollars from you with this newfangled thing that's going to solve your pro- yeah. you know, your process problem. Yeah. Here, but, here's a here's a program that's going to solve your process problem. Well, I have a process problem in the first place. What makes you think I'm going to create a process to use your tool? Exactly. So let's <laughs> well, let's talk about it. let's talk about tools because right. I um tools are only as good as how well someone utilizes them. Yeah. You know, and um, I think a good best practice is for dealerships, I would say either twice a year or on a quarterly basis to really take inventory of the tools that they have. Yeah. I mean, you've seen some redundancies. I've seen many redundancies, and it's a I, very interesting conversation. Yeah, I was at a dealership, new client that we were doing one of these, uh, you know, kind of a full-blown strategy session, deep diving into their tools and their processes and stuff. And that's how we usually start all of our clients. It's a big, big meeting. Sometimes it takes two, three, four hours. Um, come to find out, there were three CRM systems that had been, as far as I could tell, being effectively paid for for several years. Yeah. And yeah. not a single person at this point in time, at this point in time, not a single person at the dealership was actually utilizing because <laughs> someone had signed up for something and yep. then was using, but of course that person left. Yes. So then they were spearheading it. So, but they thought the other people were still using. They weren't. They stopped when the other guy left. Yeah. And then someone else came in, brought in a second. Like it was, <laughs> it, it was, it was to the tune of thirty-six thousand dollars a year. Ooh. You know, uh, over multiple years, exceeding well over a hundred thousand dollars of a product and a tool that they never actually had been using, or which sp- they could probably have used a spreadsheet and mastered that and saved all the money. Okay, I love that you say that because I had this great meeting. <laughs> I had this. I had this. I know we're just swapping war stories now, but yeah, it's fun. It's- <laughs> I had this wonderful meeting with a, a large dealer group and. Uh, it was for a dealer socket presentation. Oh, no, no! By the way, I'm a big fan of dealer socket. Okay, I really am. So yeah. I'm, I'm not. That's like, from your BDC days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just like, I, look, for me, I love my. I, I love. I just love the amount of information and data is there. But let's face it, the reporting it, is key. It's an advanced tool. Yes. It is not for everybody out Correct. there. And the lingo you know? for the Canadian dealers is a little bit difficult to understand. It, it which is. Which retraining the lingo for them is is one of the biggest things that we find as a hurdle. What does that terminology actually mean? You know, yeah, a sold deal things. isn't actually a sold deal in dealer's socket. Well, what did I say to someone else the other day? I told them, I said, oh, man, that's a beautiful ham sandwich. And he didn't even know what the did, heck I was talking didn't about. Get it. Yeah, I mean, so so dealers out there, the Canadian dealers, you don't know what a ham sandwich is. Uh, it, it's a deal that's got so much profitability, both from the front and the back, that it's just kind of overflowing. It's just falling out. Think of this big, monster, messy ham sandwich, which is crap all over the place. You know, I just remember as a, as when I was early in sales, I'd go up, I'm like, hey, boss. You hungry? You hungry? I got a ham sandwich for you. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, you know, in the U.S. we did stupid shit like that. Um, okay, so I'm in, I'm in this group meeting. Beautiful demonstration of the dealer socket. The guys that did it did an awesome job of it. Up, and uh, I kept my mouth shut the entire time. So I'm just sitting in the back. Finally, the, the dealer meeting ends, and then all kind of finally someone on the side of their eye goes, hey, "Wait a second, Jason hasn't said anything." Okay, Jason, that's really odd. You usually have an opinion on every damn thing we do during these meetings. Why haven't you said anything? I said, are you guys sure you want to know what my opinion is? Like, yeah, 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 we want it. I said, look, this is an amazing product, and it is a very, very cool tool. Um, but you guys aren't going to use it. You know, in fact, actually, I got a tool for you. All right? Tell me you that's, taped that guy's response. When I, I did. That. In fact, actually, it's an old video. I should find it. I handed him over a notepad and a pen. 
I said, there, there's your CRM system. <laughs> okay. If you can commit your team to utilize this for 30 days, then I think you should start upgrading and taking a look at the next thing. But it's like what it is, is we go into these processes and we immediately think that we need the Ferrari of processes, the Ferrari of tools. When yep. in reality, we never even started with a bicycle. Correct. Yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> we're not even crawling and you're asking me to to launch a, a spaceship and land yeah. on the moon. Yeah. You know, um, uh, one of the biggest things that I, I find uh, very interesting in dealers is, uh, you know, the use of the use of their tools, but the misuse <laughs> is even more prevalent than the lack of use. So is that the vendor's lack of training and servicing their product? I, I think in some level it is sometimes. I think it's, it's definitely has to do with some of the vendor but it has to do with let's call her gloria gloria is the one who got the training and who was responsible for training the buy-in the actual the buy-in the he- the execution and heading it up and gloria is no longer with the company but no one appointed the new gloria mm, yeah no that's exactly what happened in the dealership i was talking about three different crm systems right they who's just the champion who's the champion who's going to be the person who's going to head this up who's the backup when this person isn't available um, and again, it, it goes back to process. So Where that, that's a good, is the process? That's a good best. I mean, let's talk about best practices. Just sure. to highlight. I think this is a good place to highlight this particular best practice. Because mm-hmm. when you bring a tool in, so you can't rely just on your vendor for um, development and for um, training. You know, you should have an individual at your dealership that is designated to own own this tool yeah. so that you know you have that next level support actually at the dealership right that and that sense. person who can execute with any support questions that needs that arises the right person the person who has the time to actually sit with support or contact support and mm-hmm. solve that problem while the other people are making the money that's required to, to run the store mm-hmm. you know rather than the whole place shutting down um, uh, it's it's a uh, uh, it's a funny. Um, uh, we had a power outage uh, in in two thousand and five, two thousand four. Anyways, it was there was a power outage, mm-hmm. and uh, we were doing deals. We only deal only only dealer in the GTA that was doing deals because we had a we had a backup plan. We had a process. backup plan. We had a process. <clears throat> what happens when the power goes out? And it's funny enough, the only reason we had that backup plan was because we had had power issues from the city of Oakville. So power would go out quite frequently from the city of Oakville. If mm-hmm. you don't know anything about the city of Oakville, it's got bad power grid. So we had a backup plan. But we're in the, you know, VW's asking, how are you guys processing deals? The whole eastern seaboard's out. We had a plan. <laughs> so, so when it comes to the process, I find... Maybe at the dealership level, it's not identified necessarily whose responsibility it is. Mm-hmm. So where are you seeing, because like I said, you've been in a lot of dealerships, I've been in a lot of dealerships, yep. and I've seen, you know, so there are some success stories out there. There are a lot of success, a lot of success stories, stories yeah, there. which we don't talk about much. Because, I, know, I know, we always talk on the negative side. Yeah. So, let's, so I'm thinking, let's move that direction. You know, what are some of those success stories? How did you see people, you know, is, who, who spearheads, who's responsible for process development at the dealership? It's a mixed bag. Okay. I really believe it's a mixed bag. It's, it's got to be someone who the, the dealer principal or, or owner has trust in. Um, not necessarily tenure. I don't think tenure has the, you know, the clout that it used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has to be someone who's shown the willingness to um, execute, uh, even, if it was, even if it was execution in a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the ability to execute something. Um, I work with a dealer that had had a philosophy which I found very interesting, and this is a dealer that documents every process that they implement, mm-hmm. and they don't do anything without documenting it. And if we come up with an action plan, it's put into their process before we implement it, mm-hmm. before we even train it. It's written into their into their playbook, and their playbook is extensive. It's very well thought out, and. They have young people executing this playbook flawlessly on a, on a daily basis, and I applaud them for doing this because the the thing that I find very interesting is the dealers who have that um, trust mm-hmm. in their employees are the ones that succeed. And his philosophy is: if I wrote it into the playbook and I lost money, as long as you executed that a hundred percent. How am I going to be upset at that? Well, see, it's on me. See, right, and that's and I agree with you. So that mm-hmm. that's where I think the the owners take responsibility, and they don't. It, and how much they, money they is love, enough money for push. some of these guys? Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> that's true. Um, you know, that's where they. Unfortunately, every failure needs to be owned by the owner. That's that's my my personal. 100%. I just I yep. and I and I'm and I, I'm looking at it from perspective of all the successful dealerships I work with, that is a common trait across every single one. It's consistent. Yes. Is that the owner takes ownership. Well he has to. Yeah. Because he is the he is the leader of that of that organization. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't see that that failure is his, then he shouldn't really be trying to change anything. Yeah. And then the execution portion Mm -hmm. needs to be owned by the managers. Right. All right. Now that's where you can hold that's Processes needs to be owned by the ownership. You know what I find interesting? We train salespeople, but we don't train <laughs> managers on the execution of those sales processes. No, we just assume that they can. Right. Like because it's, it's, kind of cra- it's kind of you crazy. Know, you got just, that title. You got that title, so therefore you must be an executor. Yeah, you're exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing you're executing is a 70% turnover rate of your sales staff. That's, yeah. really, that's really what you're executing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I did sales training for a large dealer group, and, and it was a weekly basis, and they mm-hmm. had a 68% turnover rate. And one of the things that I found interesting was I would, I would talk to these young, young people full of energy, wanting to do well. They would recruit these guys out of Bell Telephone stores, mm-hmm. Rogers, shoe stores. When Future Shop shut down, we had an influx of, of people who were enthusiastic, who wanted to do well, who were great salespeople. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to – I can train any process to anybody. If you're not a salesperson first and foremost, I can't teach that to you. Sure. So – we would have these people come in, we would train them, and then I'd go visit them at the store two, three, four weeks later, and I'd see they'd be demoralized. They'd be in their chair, they'd be sitting there like this, and they'd have their phone out, and they'd just be like, you know, oh, hey, Mike, hey, hey, Mike, you know, everything you told me was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. But you know what? That guy there doesn't do anything you said he was going to do. Well, because what is we train activities, but then we don't coach on efforts. It, do you know what I mean? One hundred percent. And it, start, it starts from the top and works it its does, way all the way down. It does. So, so do we do we look at process training from top down? Because 100%. what we usually do is we process train from the bottom, bottom up, up, which is crazy. Which, which is absolutely, absolutely crazy. crazy right? It absolutely is crazy. Right. I mean, Why do we roll out a process I, that we haven't had our managers execute? Well, no, I agree with you. I think I think you know we expect we expect so much mm-hmm. of our managers right. that we don't actually spend enough time training them, developing them, coaching them, and then almost, and this is one thing I found too, the dealerships I work with that are uber, uber successful, I mean, I'm talking like really successful, 
they have a hardcore team development portion, yeah, right? right? Where they actually develop out their team. Yes. I mean, these managers get together. Daily, weekly, yes, monthly they, they get together. They, they, they send their managers as a team together for training. You know, how, how to work, just, just how to work as a team. Right. You know, they, they go to these seminars. And they, they, I, I find how much money we spend, our, we spend on sending our management to these automotive conferences. Just to not just to hear the exact same message as the year before right. is just a little ridiculous. And all they ever end up talking about is about activities. But yes. there's no team. So I, yeah, I yeah. I push dealerships don't go to these automotive conferences. All right, I, I find the concept of a, of a workshop or a team development period that now that's got some serious value. You can get some real yeah. ROI on that. I also think it kind of comes down to is because at the end of the day, we only have so much time, so many hours to put in our efforts wise, that we're always looking at it from a 30 day return perspective. That, yes, very interesting. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, like I'm not yeah. going to from write zero a to check. zero. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm not going to write it, I'm not going to sign a check yeah. if, unless this dollar or these dollars are going to go towards my 30 day efforts. Now, I think the manufacturers have started to notice this, and therefore, they've actually started to change a lot of things. That's right. You know, there's a fair amount of manufacturers that aren't looking at quarterly monthly, they're looking at quarterly offset, offset quarterly programs, things like that. It's, Does Honda do that? Do they do that? Honda has some programs that are offset uh, quarterly, um, quarterly programs. Honda is not a traditional car manufacturer from any other manufacturer that I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the pleasure of working for Honda at the moment, and it... It fundamentally, they are a different type of company. Mm-hmm. Um, the market is changing, and they are changing with it. Oh, that's exciting. And and it's 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 interesting that um, you know they still have some things that they do that I scratch my head at. Well, it's um, a big ship. Look, it, I mean, it's it, a really big ship right to, to steer move. to steer that <laughs> yeah, exactly to steer a ship like that. You know, you and I are go getters. We yep. want to get in there. We want to get it done. Yeah, of we course. Want it, and we want it done today. We want it done now. Yep. Um, you know, but moving that ship is is always, um, and they're, but they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it's they don't have the traditional program set up as you would think a, a manufacturer would have traditional programs. With the fast start money, with mm-hmm. the volume bonuses at the end of the month, um, Honda doesn't look at it like that. Honda doesn't have that philosophy, and I appreciate Honda for that because it's not about the volume. It's it, not about a race to the thirty first. No, it's not. It's it's a it's it, they are a very customer centric company. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to I don't want to name the company, but I'm sure everyone listening can understand what I'm saying. There's a there's a manufacturer out there right now that's replacing engines at an alarming rate. Yep. And that alarming rate, uh, I have a good friend of mine who has a vehicle that just exited warranty. Mm. That vehicle, unfortunately, he's paying out of pocket several thousand dollars to replace an engine that is a known problem with this manufacturer. Wow. Honda has a customer who is 180000 and four years out of warranty, have an engine failure on their car. You call Honda Canada, they'll help you out. No, and, and it's... That's their commitment to the customer. Right. And the it's, cool thing is, is I'm beginning to see that commitment to the customer start to trickle down mm-hmm. into the processes that 
and the goal setting efforts that they're putting at the dealership. Yes. For a while there, I believe there was a disconnect. There was a big disconnect because there were order takers. Yes. And this is what I hear on a daily basis. Mike, I actually have to sell this car now. Yes. And I, 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 I scratch my head because I never had that. I never had that that luxury of, you know. I started selling Volkswagens when the cheapest VW was $24,975 plus freight fees and taxes. You had to sell the crap I out of I had to it. sell that car. <laughs> what I was hoping was that the, the, the Honda dealership down the road didn't have enough salespeople and I had overflow customers coming into my store that I could close. Yep. That's what I was hoping for. Please let someone call in sick on a Saturday at the Honda store so that... I was a Mitsubishi dealership. I was the exact same thing. Yep. It was right across Pray. the street from a Honda yep. next door to a Toyota. Yep. You knew if you seen them why. They parked their car at the Honda store, walked in for 15 minutes, know that they had... I, the Honda store that was down the street from me had a buzzer system. You know, like the bars yep. have? Yep. They had a little buzzer system. I would be signing deals and the buzzer would go up on the desk. Yep. So sorry, so sad. Let's just throw that in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You know but, the, but that's you know that's what we wrestled with. Honda had the had that that run, yeah. and it and to what we were discussing earlier, the plateau is coming, and the plateau I think will happen this year. And, and the manufacturers. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I really don't. No, like I don't think people need to be markets, afraid of this. Markets do this on a regular basis. Yes, they do. It's yeah. very very normal, but it's a great time. Yes. And in fact, it's a time it's, to strengthen the, your operation. And that starts with your process. Developing your processes. You cannot strengthen your operation without developing a process. You can't develop a process unless you identify your problems. So you can't identify your problems unless you're looking, looking to look inside your operation. Mm -hmm. And it starts with someone actually saying, are we running at peak efficiency? And be honest. See, that's the other thing, too. Is... Um, even the we, top we, performing we have, stores we have, we have, have issues in process. Yeah, we have to be honest with right? we have to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. And, and the other thing too is, and I've seen this before. Don't let your salespeople or your staff dictate what the process is going to be. That's a big problem because yeah. the process is changing. Yeah. The process is going to change. Mm -hmm. The manufacturers are changing. Yeah. You know, um, like a lot of things are changing. We need need to change with those times. Just because your number one sales guy has been your number one sales guy for the last four or five years and is consistently putting out 30, 25, 30 cars a month, okay, look, that's fine. That is, but you need to change. You got to own that process. That's right. Because that guy can pick up his stuff and leave anytime he wants. That's right. He doesn't what own loyalty it. loyalty does he have to you? None. Yes. You have a loyalty, a, a, a DP owner has a loyalty to that shingle. Yes. And that shingle employs more than the, just that one salesperson. Yep. And that's what we f we tend to find, you know. We, talk, we operate out of fear sometimes. I'm I think, not saying I think we operate out of fear and we also operate out of feelings. Fear is a feeling, but we yes. operate out of feelings. The the that might hurt somebody's feelings. I appreciate the feelings that are are part of the part of the equation here. Sure, of course. Your operation is suffering because of feelings. Yes. And unfortunately, we have to move past that. Oh, no, no, we have to. In mm -hmm. fact, well, so the cool thing is we're getting to a period with the plateau that we're going to be seeing mm -hmm. over the next couple of years is that we don't have a freaking option. No. Nope. Okay. So the last four or five years has been nothing but prosperity. Yeah. All right. And we've been able to get away with what I consider in some cases half-assed or half-pregnant processes. Highway robbery in some uh, cases. Yes. That is not going to fly anymore. No. As technology becomes more prevalent in the home, as people start to look more and more for digital solutions to, mm -hmm. to human problems, um, the dealers that really figure out that process on online selling and, and online catering to customers' needs, um, I think is where 
where it's going to go. I, I really believe that information has always been close to the chest. Oh, God, like this there's is, a secret sauce. Yeah, right. Like, no one, you know what, guys? You don't have a secret sauce. No, okay? no. There is no secret sauce. It, okay, a secret sauce doesn't exist. That's right. All right? The, the, the only thing that your differentiating factor is is how well you can execute on it. That's it. I think, <laughs> well, uh, I'm taking words from, uh, from, from, uh, from somebody, but process selling is dead. Oh, 100%. Experiencing, experience selling is the future. And I'm even pushing beyond that. I actually think branding is the new form of selling. Well, self-branding, dealership branding. Oh, it, for it, me, it's, for me know, it's a huge play. If, if, if you can't walk into... And this is something my daughter said to me at a, when, she was, when she was seven years old. She felt like her father was the, the king. Because I would walk in, we would walk together in, in, in the mall and people would, Hey, Mike, how you doing? <laughs> And she's like, Daddy, everywhere we go, people know you. And it's, that it's was the funny. brand. My kids have said something similar. Right. You know, it's everywhere, just like, everywhere you go, someone knows you. Yep. you know? And it, it, it's, it's about the branding. It's about sticking yourself out there, being the best possible you you can be, but also making sure that you're uplifting everyone around you. Well, see, that's, that's the cool thing is that during this time that we're running into the next year, yeah. cream rises. That's right. Like it's what's going to happen, yeah. You know, so it's like every everyone was kind of able to get away with. I think, like I said, half cocked, yeah. Right, that you can't do that anymore. Nope. Either you're in or you're out. That's right. And it's not just in your processes; it's also in your marketing efforts. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's also in your user experience. You know, it, there's so many things you can't be half in on this stuff now. You do you remember radio ads in the it. past? No, I never run a radio ad. No, like, but do you remember <laughs> listening yes, to do. them? Yes. You know, that generic <laughs> that generic jingle or that generic offer. Um, and this is where I applaud Honda moving forward in the future is critiquing specific offers to specific, to specific customers make at it specific time. One of the biggest things I give Honda credit for is their, um, is the um, uh, cross-marketing or cross-marketing efforts with the Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. What they did is they identified an audience. Yep. All right, and they wanted to really kind of own that space in that audience. And now Honda is associated. Blue Jays and Honda are, are, so, hand, are, in hand. are hand in hand. Yeah, you know, actually, there was somebody that told me a very funny story about that once, how that all went down, and it was one because for a while you guys lost it there, and um, I believe what ended up happening was during the World Series, uh, they came back and they won, and they wanted convertibles to ride around so that everyone can kind of see them. And I think that's, is that when it went to Ford? I think it's when Ford picked I'm it not, up. I'm not sure. And then it got, and then it came back to Honda. I actually have to look up the story because the story is actually really, really interesting, yeah, right? Yeah. And then eventually Ford wasn't willing to put it in anymore. And that's when Honda took it back. They originally had it and they took it back. Yeah. But they've done an amazing job of really developing out content. Yeah. The content that they put for the Blue Jays is really cool because it's not with their, it's not with their selfish wants and needs. It is literally there to bring value and entertain mm -hmm. the Blue Jays fan. That's right. The Blue Jays fan just sees the underlying content as being, you know, sponsored and brought to you by Honda. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I, I think it's, and dealerships need to take the same thing. And I see right. now manufacturers doing it as well. Genesis did a phenomenal job of this, right? Yes, Genesis is, is an interesting brand. Do it for the customer, yeah. not do it for ourselves. Don't create a process that meets and fulfills our needs. All right, create a process and marketing and messaging that is directly and only designed to meet the customer's needs. We do it for the customer, then the we always specific customer. Yeah, and that's the key. I mean, the key is uh, 
When I look at Facebook advertising today and I see dealers doing Facebook advertising, I see them doing Instagram posts, I see them really trying to use the digital space, mm -hmm. but ineffectively using the digital space. Um, uh, well, that's vendors. That's, that's agencies that are screwing this thing up. Right. What it is, is like I literally saw a Chrysler ad the other day. For one dealership, right? Saw the exact same one for another dealership. Yeah. The exact same, same copy, exact and same everything on it. The only tell damn difference was B. just you know, oh, it was just yep. the name on it. That yep. was it. It was right? the name that was in blue at the top of the that listing. Was, that was the only thing that was different. And your between thumb the is scrolling past it, just like every other ad that you see, right? Yeah. So what what stands you apart from your competitors? What stands you apart in your customers' eyes? What what is the defining moment? What's that aha moment when a customer engages with you? Mm -hmm. Right? How do you, how do we how do we really look at how that that interaction happens? But you know what the craziest part is that we do this in normal selling efforts. Mm -hmm. Like when someone comes in, right, to purchase a Honda Civic, right? A Honda Civic is very unique one because you can have a very young, active lifestyle audience. Mm -hmm. You can have a, a family audience yeah. where it's a commuter because we have a lot of commuters where yes. we are. And then the, you have a retiree audience. Right. And all three of those audiences buy the exact same car. When we come in, and, when they come in and we sell the car to them, we cater our presentation yes. and our content to the individual. That's right. But we then mirror, we market. We mirror them. But yes. then we market to only one aspect. To, to one bloody an ad out <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. and and just and, and call you know it, what we find and, out and, and call it and call it good. But we don't sell that way. Yes. Why the hell do we market that way? Is absolutely beyond. Well, me. not only do we do we not look at how we market that way. Why is it that we you know, the I call it the four, the four corners of of selling cars: mm -hmm. cheap, difficult, affluent, educated. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the type of buyers that we attract with these ads. Have we ever reflected and looked at the marketing efforts that we put forth and actually analyzed the ROI on those marketing efforts? Why is it that we, the, the... Well, because we rolled on one. We right. just bumped yeah. it into one. <laughs> we go after the cheap, difficult buyer and wonder why we're not making any money on this on this ad. Oh my gosh. I had this, I literally had this <laughs> meeting a couple days ago. I was in a Chrysler dealership. Okay. All right. And um, there was that one good old boy. And I'm like... I had one of these in a while. Him. I'm so glad. Uh, <laughs> they still believe that internet's a fab. Um, oh, you know, it's right. like, oh, well, this is great, right? Yeah. And they immediately start complaining about how all their leads are crap leads. And I'm like, I, I put my best Alec Baldwin on. And I'm like, the leads aren't crap. You're <laughs> crap. Um, I'm pretty sure it's meeting. another four-letter word. Yeah. I, just, I just replaced <laughs> that. Um, but I looked at all their marketing efforts. And what do you think all their marketing efforts, the message was driving, was all about the lowest price humanly possible. So why did they assume that the lead generation portion Would was going to be generating customers that only cared right. about the price? And if you start off at a low ball price on your ad, what room do you have when the customer comes in? You have yeah. no negotiating left, and you're only attracting the cheap and difficult buyer with those ads. And it, it, the same thing happens with our processes. Yep. So it's, just, it's, it's not just... Our, it's Wait, not just that one guy. Remember that one guy? <laughs> the you know, one guy. Do you remember that I one guy? That. I know a lot of one guys out there. Yeah. It seems like everybody's had the one guy. The one guy. Um, so why do we why do we make a process or stop a process because of the one guy? See, I think we have to be audience specific <laughs> in our process, especially when it, when it comes to our sales process. This yeah. is something that I'm pushing out there. I saw I saw a lot of people. Too. It's not a matter that we're qualifying them to the product that they're purchasing. Because bottom line, they're already there. They're qualified. They're qualified. Good, right? Yep. Really what we need to do is we need to qualify them to where they are in the buying cycle. That's correct. Right? If they're shopping, yeah. if they're what researching. What do you hope to accomplish in today's visit? Exactly. All or they're ask. buying, that we yeah. need to have a process that's specific for you. I got somebody that right. comes in and goes, I'm doing research. 
I'm literally going to clear my schedule for the next three hours. And meet, by the time you leave this place, you're going to know the bolt patterns all right, on the on you on, know on if those snow tires, tires in your garage fit your car. That's you right. Know, you, you, li- you know what I mean? I'm just that's what it, that, that I'm preparing myself. This is what I'm going to get myself into. Right, right? and right. then I develop out a process, a sales process that is specific for them. If someone tells me they're shopping, I immediately need to know what they're shopping, and I need Correct. to have a very specific process. Yes. All right, that helps them through their shopping, not selfishly. No. Okay, I'm not going to try to. I'm not going to try to convince them just to buy my product. Right. I need to support them and help them do it for them. And one of the biggest things I find in that sales process that we lack in a dealership level is knowing not only the product that we're trying to sell, but the mm-hmm. competitive product that the customer's after. What oh needs... Gosh, had this conversation today. Yeah. What <laughs> needs... You know, when we talk about the meet and greet qualified needs assessment, okay? When we talk about the, the, the upside down triangle and yep. we're trying to get to that money, right? If we're talking about a customer who's in the shopping process... And maybe not all the buyers are present and they're trying to gather information. If we don't give ourselves that competitive edge, not by bashing the other manufacturer. No, you give them a proper shopping experience. You give them a proper shopping experience. experience. And you emphasize things that you know the competitors that they are working with or looking at on the consideration don't have. And you emphasize that. I have a dealer group right now that's really trying to embrace this. Now, again, it's new. All right. Mm -hmm. You go to the Nissan dealership. Ah, uh, you know what, but I'm really shopping the Honda. That's cool. Jump in the car. Mm-hmm. All right. My group owns the Honda Street on the other side of town. Yeah. We're going to drive over there and put the car side by side. Yeah. Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously? Absolutely. Great You idea. buy a car from us. Hey, we're all owned by the same owner. Yep. So let's just let's just make this a really good shopping experience for you. Was there any other? You were thinking of a Hyundai? Cool. I'm going to call my buddy over at the Hyundai dealership. He's, he's going to bring meet one us. by. Yeah. He's going to meet us there. We're going to look at all three of these cars side by side. Right. Like, Amazing. Can you imagine? But, can you imagine as a consumer receiving that? Can you can, like imagine what that type of experience would be? That would be the the uh, pinnacle of of a sales process that looks at the every pillar, not only from an interior store, but a not a single shingle, but a multi shingle. Yeah. And 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 that's what I find. You know, dealerships that are single single store owners. Are going to be losing out to the dealer groups. If these well, that's the opportunity dealer groups have. And so if the dealer groups figure it out, well, they they how many have? they can take it. No, not a lot, and they really haven't. Honestly, we don't actually have. I know I get negative sometimes. I don't really care. It is what it is. We don't really have a lot of dealer groups. We have a bunch of group of dealers. Um, and, and if you understand what I mean, I know it's, exactly just, it's, it's all saying. it's all in their structure, right? right? I would yeah. love to. Now there are a handful, I believe, in Canada that do really operate as a dealer group. I think FAF is amazing at yes, that. I think I, Go I Auto is also very very good at yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, then their dealerships are. Oh, I think Humberview is heading the direction, and you know I think so is Performance. And the, there there are a handful of out there that I think are heading the direction, and then there's some that are a lot closer to it. Then there are some that it just can't seem to have the discussion uh, properly around it. I think it's because it's the way we've always done it mentality and too big, too fast. Is there is there a moment when you can say that a, that a dealer group has expanded past its capacity to manage itself? Yes. And they actually need to bring outside help. Well, they I've, I've seen it happen. Well, I, I guarantee it yep. happens. And I know it happens. The issue is the self-reflection doesn't happen. And that's where the that's where it has to start. You, see, everything leads back to process. I right. mean, it's so funny. It's that's just right. like 
you know, we've, we've jammed now for the last hour, and, and it's just everything. Every it, single thing. Every, I mean, look, it's your marketing. It's your sales process. It's your management team. It's your dealership's goals. It's the, it's the work between the service department, the parts department, and then so on with the new and used and how they connect with it. Everything. Everything flows back to process. Mm-hmm. It's the one of the oldest professions in 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 the country, mm-hmm. and it's still not figured out. I, I just don't understand it. We can take on time delivery, manufacture a car within a twenty four hour period, but we can't build a process to sell a car to a customer. I think what it is, and at the bottom line, this is what my thesis is: is that because of the process, the time we spend in developing process, is not in line with a thirty day period. So, therefore, we don't put our eggs into the process development basket. Dealers got to get out of that frame of mind. Yes. Certain manufacturers are assisting in that and yes. saying that we're not looking at your 30-day numbers anymore. We're looking at your quarterly numbers. Right. Right? So, they're opening up. It's not a 30-day cycle. Now, we're turning it into a 90-day cycle, which I love. Yes. Right? And the yep. dealerships and manufacturers out there that are listening to this and you're still in a 30-day cycle, I think you guys need to take note um, of the manufacturers that have already started to change to a 90-day cycle. Because yes. then we can really start to encourage these dealerships to focus on their processes. And I do believe process development is at minimum a 90-day a 90-day return just just to put a single thing in just well, to start it takes work. 21 days to form any habit so yeah. 21 days to form any sort of habit if we don't give that process enough time to to work out the kinks and let, let's be honest any new process that we implement in the store there's going to be unforeseen speed bumps along the way oh your Those version sp- one is now going to be your completed version right. by the time you hit but the 90-day mark you might be on version four correct. five or six but we have we are still heading in the right direction We've got to make a commitment. What exactly? What usually happens is we get to that roadblock, and it's 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 an insurmountable wall. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump put up a wall, and we can't get over it, <laughs> right? And it's it's you get there, and you turn around, you go home, you say, you know what? We're just going to go do it the way we've always done it, and um, that's where dealers really, really, in my opinion, have have a hard time is is thinking outside their proverbial box of 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 living they live in this little box and nothing can be put outside of it well look look times we have things have to change so let's get practical you know and, we, and, and this is a great way i think to wrap it up is to give them kind of our best our best advice sure first thing first make sure that you have very defined goals and very specific defined goals i, I don't want to hear that you guys just want to sell more cars because yes. no shit sherlock so does everybody else right all right really get specific on yes. what kind of cars which yes. trim levels right. which it, it needs to get very yeah. very targeted you need to do the same thing in your parts department you need to do the same thing in your service department once you really have these goals seriously documented then you need to document all the existing processes. Yes. And you gotta make sure that those processes are in line with those goals. Correct. So th- for me, that's kind of yep. step one, step two. I'll take it to step three. Do that for me. What KPIs are we measuring to make sure we're on track to reach our goals? I'm so glad that you said that because a process is only as good as how well we can measure its effectiveness. Correct. You can only manage what you can measure. And the KPIs, in today's marketplace are vastly different than they were 10 years ago. They were vastly different than they were 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to be vastly different five years from now because they're going to be disruptors, interrupters in the marketplace that are going to change the way we look at our business. Of course. But if we have a goal and we have a process, we need to evaluate how that process in KPIs 
are moving towards our goal. So if we have an issue with closing our crews on the Chevy guys listening to this, you know, the <laughs> if we have an issue uh, closing our crews, what's our cruise process? Yep. What's uh, what's our what's our uh, Toyota Highlander process? How each one of those KPIs needs to be evaluated and measured, and daily, weekly, monthly, semi-annually, we have to look at them seemingly on a daily basis. Well, you, 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 you have to, and that's yeah. where I think systems and tools really kind of come into place. Yeah. So, all right, here it is, guys. These are your one, two, threes. All yes. right, and and I think that if you guys follow these one, two, threes. From my experience and being as many dealerships as I have, and I'm sure in your experience, as many dealerships as you have, like you really take these one, two, three to heart, you're going to see some serious ROI on your efforts. Yes. Just to recap one more time, all right, those one, two, threes is goal development. Yes, you've got to get hardcore, yes. every single department, very, very, very specific goals, right? Yes. right? Document your process and ensure that those processes are actually designed to help meet those goals. Right. Once you have those processes documented, you need a system in place to measure the effectiveness of those yeah. so that you can actually correct start the course. Exactly. So yeah. You can correct the course and alter those processes. Yes. Guys, this is step one, step two, step three. Yep. From both of us, you guys follow this. I think you're going to see some wonderful things. You know, hopefully someone's listening to this and six months later we get a call back because right. I, I just, I would love to see that. Yeah. Um, now, Big Mike, thank you so much it's for your time. You know, I really appreciate you coming yeah. out and jamming with me. For everybody that uh, would like to connect with you, what is the best way to connect with Big Mike? Uh, LinkedIn. Uh, cool. Michael Carroll on LinkedIn. Okay. You, can, you can connect with me. Uh, my phone number is 647-688-4561. Anyone looking to text or ask a question, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an open book, guys. There's no question I won't answer for you. So if there's any issue you have that you can't, any hurdle you can't cross, I, I'm an open book. You know? See, this is what I love when I bring people on here because I, I love bringing like true practitioners. And I know for a fact when we finish these things off, I got some true practitioners because they'll just throw it out there. Yeah. Here's my number. Yeah. Just call me. Yeah. Send me a text. I'll chat with you. I yeah. mean, I got no vested interest. It's just I'm just I'm not going to charge you. Generally interested in seeing you succeed. Right. And that's and that I want to see the industry better itself. Yeah. And I want to elevate this industry above that of what it currently sits at. That you know the 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 nasty car salesman. I want to see our industry become. Uh, a great profession. I think I think I've chosen a great profession. I think you've chosen a great profession. Yes. I think you're trying to elevate it to a level where we can be proud to say we work in the automotive industry. I'm proud to say I worked in the automotive industry. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, I see a lot of people who, who are afraid to ask the question. And I, mum's the word. I'm not, not the type of guy who spreads around the other people's uh, business. It's, and that's it's, why guys like us got to keep it together, man. We just got to keep pushing I through and provide earn, this content. I can't earn dealers' trust if I air their dirty laundry out, out everywhere. So it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely something we can work on together. Awesome. Hey, thanks, yeah. Big Mike. Really it's appreciate a, you coming. It's been a pleasure. This Thank was fun. Yeah.